Hello, 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 faithful listeners, and welcome to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben Kay. As you know, fearful listener, we are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions. And today's question is, where will the fearful reefer strike next? Could it be your children? Or yours? Or yours? I don't know. Where's, where's it going to strike next, y'all? I don't know. That's all I got. Actually, I actually did have an actual question. Where's, like, the best place to hide your weed? Because I, according to this film, they posit you could hide it in the heel of your shoe. In a in a mm-hmm. can of shaving cream, any any other I, good stashes in the back in the thirties. Yeah. yeah, I have a friend who in college had a fake shaving cream can, and it was like a whole twisting thing where you pulled it out. Oh yeah, yeah, like there or the fake Coke can is that's the classic. Yeah. It's like an actual metal Coke can, but it has like a screw off, and there's a place inside. It's it's a. Uh... I just put it in my bag. It, yeah, I, I know. Well, that's the thing. It's legal in Illinois now. So, well, sure. Yeah. Now, yeah. <laughs> um, but now you really don't have to care. But of course, what are we talking about today? Well, we of course are talking about the and this. Oh, the, date, the dates on this episode are so fucking weird. Uh, we are talking about. I guess it's originally the 1936 film Reefer Madness slash. Tell Your Children, directed by Louis J. Gasnier, adapted into the, again, 1998-2001-2005, and I guess final version in slash 2007, uh, musical adaptation, Reefer Madness, with a book by Kevin Murphy and Dan Studney. Lyrics by Kevin Murphy and music by Dan Studney. As always, our wonderful producer and editor, Bran Moorhead, is here. (laughs) Bran is, uh, Bran is, Bran's light. Oh, this lighter sucks. (laughs) Bran's token up a storm over there. Ooh, I met uh, the neighbor's dog is upset by laughing. <laughs> oh no! I, I would say, Brand. Oh my gosh, Brand! You are definitely you definitely give off Ralph energy. I'm not gonna lie. Um, oh no! I mean, no, that's that's a, okay. That's a compliment, John Case. Okay. John Caser in the musical is fucking great. Um, Kasich, Sear, I forget how you pronounce his name. He's great. Um, yeah. Joan Cusack. <laughs> Joan Cusack. Uh, Brand's, Brand's, uh, sm- Brand's smoking uh, a, a nice a nice roll over there. I just took a, a nice gummy. Um, and I believe also having just uh, taken an edible. Um, is it okay if I say that on mic? <laughs> Yeah, great. I, I don't know. It's I, legal. It's, it's legal. My home state is legal. I'm just traveling. It's between. from the earth, man. Yeah, oh my God. it's plant. Hell yeah! Having just ingested an edible themselves, a returning guest. You know them from the Heather's episode. You know them as the brilliant casting director and dramaturg from the world of Chicago theater. Catherine Miller is back. Pew 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 pew. Pew pew pew. pew, 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 pew. Oh man! Uh, <laughs> welcome back, Catherine. You did it. You made what it. What a delight! I'm so, I'm just so pleased to be here, especially for this episode. That's the thing, because I know. All right, so we're gonna get right into it. Um, because mm-hmm. I know we both. I mean, I feel like all three of us really love this show a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, it's 
and it's it's one of those weird things and i like i said this the other day um this musical is bananas because his like well obviously like we're gonna first start talking about the fucking cinematic knock that is tell your children the original film oh lordy Uh, um i think as brand as you lovingly put it dog shit (laughs) 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 just utter utter putrid cinematic filth um but then adapted into this musical which again it had this like wildly successful run in LA where they thought it was just going to run for a few weeks and it ran for like years um moved to off Broadway opened like less than a week after 9-11 four days Uh, yes um closed shortly thereafter um and then a thing that happened in the mid-2000s it just it got a 25 million dollar film adaptation like I don't know, it was that expensive. Yeah, I mean, you got like Alan Cumming. You got, I mean, obviously, sure. I mean, like Chris, I feel like Kristen Bell probably blew up after this film, but I mean, she was still yeah. Kristen. Was Bell. this before Veronica Mars? I think this was beginning. Of like Deering, maybe. I believe I need to look that up. I'm doing. Yeah. I'm on it. I'm Neff on Campbell it. probably did it at scale because of her brother, this right? Was, this was like, yeah, this was like a a few months. This is within the year after Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars debuted t- September 2004. So, oh, cool. Um, but either way, like, again, like, this guy, and it was on Showtime, a major uh, pay, pay television channel of the time. Uh, and I don't know. It's, and now it has persisted, and it is this fascinating relic. Uh, not relic. It's this fascinating, just like object of a thing. And again, my thesis that I like to pin at the top of this episode. So here we go. I I think this is maybe the best example we're gonna get of an ad, of a musical theater adaptation commenting on what it's adapting. I think this is like maybe like the best commentary on its original source that we're gonna get. Because Little Shop again, which we which I feel like we are one to wants to contend that it is the best, just like movie to stage adaptation that we have talked about so far mm-hmm. i feel like reefer madness just as a commentary on what that film was and why it was as vile as why it is as vile as it is i think it is yeah. so successful and so smart and kind of earnest in i mean obviously it's really biting and it's really uh it's got a really like loving humor to it but i really think it is earnest about this thing was terrible this was a really terrible piece of propagandist filmmaking that was part of and is arguably still part of a larger movement to demonize marijuana and to and to especially demonize the communities that marijuana was used as a front to demonize right mm-hmm. does that yeah the poor and indigenous or brown people yes. you know mm-hmm. um so that's my yeah, large BIPOC. thesis statement um but Catherine miller yes you specifically were like i, I gotta i gotta do this i gotta take I the gotta. i gotta take the reefer um what was what's your history with this with the show or with the movie Okay, I thought you were gonna be like, "What's your history with marijuana?" I mean, I maybe okay. if, you, if you're up for it, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I mean, legitimately, I didn't, I didn't drink or do like any type of recreational drugs until I went to college. Like, I was very sure. like straight laced, and then I moved to Seattle, which is like, 
a really great place to like try marijuana for the first time. Um, and I remember I I uh, I tried I. My first, my first toke of weed was a volcano. If you know what that is, nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's like the first vaporizers, kind of like yeah. the first oh, like commercial. Okay, you have like a temperature dial. You can dial it in, but you put the flour, like ground flour, on this like heating element, and then it like vaporizes it into this big plastic bag, and then you look like an insane person. Doing a whip it like poking <laughs> on this big plastic bag with like a, a water bottle end on it. Yeah, it it was very daunting because I was like, oh, intimidating. Uh, yeah. Yes, I was like, is this what all weed has to be smoked? <laughs> yeah. um, but funny enough, that year, the year in Seattle, I was in. I went to school there, and then I decided I didn't want to be an actor, so I left. But that year was the year that I was introduced to Reefer Madness. It was 2007. Yeah, 2007. Sure. And I had a friend who had the DVD of the Showtime musical. And I just, I love, I've, I've always loved Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming could literally read the telephone book and I would pay money to watch it. Um, and also like one of the like first bicons that we've ever had. Sure. Yeah. Which is really mm-hmm. like incredible. Um, and he's had such a really interesting storied career. Like this man is just doing whatever the hell he wants and it works. But that was like I was like, oh, Alan Cummings in this. And then I watched it. And I was like, this mu- this musical it's just it's so smart about something that people are like, weed is so silly. Yeah. And like it's so like like oh if you like i mean back then it was still not legal and so mm-hmm. it was very like i mean i remember i was so scared to tell my mother i smoked weed the first time but the first time i came home i was high i was like i burnt my bangs and she knew immediately <laughs> that I was so like and my 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 mother i mean my uncle literally ordered me uh gummies when i was home because california you know they got that delivery situation it's great but like it's just one of those things that i for a really long time thought i could never talk to my parents about and now sure we have this musical that i was like oh it's not it's not as serious and as silly and daunting and yeah. It, no, it's it's the devil's it's the devil's drug. It's worse than heroin, it's worse than crack. It's, as a family from addicts, that whole <laughs> section, which we'll I know we'll talk about, that whole yeah. section just makes me go, Oh god, no 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 <laughs> Well I mean yeah, yeah. So I mean I'll be honest, I'll be upfront. I'm I mean I'm a sober individual, uh, as of, of the past three or four years um happily um but yeah i and i and i i take a gummy every now and then i will say um a few years ago my first experience with an edible um i think it's a fun story and this is the only place i'm gonna tell it so i'm gonna tell it um i went to a party it was a friend's birthday party and uh someone was offering uh brownies weed brownies and i'd never had a weed brownie before and i said i'll take a whole piece and i did uh gosh darn it uh and i was like this is great but nothing's happening well an hour later uh everything was terrible um <laughs> no the room was spinning uh it was ridiculous um and then i saw someone from across the way 
and I I waved at them and they they I was like oh my gosh and it was like it was like someone I'd like never seen before and they like had this look on their face of just like oh my gosh it's you it's Ben I'm so happy to see you and we both embrace in this beautiful <laughs> hug and it's the loveliest thing and then we just like go our separate ways as one is wont to do at a party and as soon as they are like away from me I talk I say in my mind I have no idea who that person was because uh, I don't. I didn't. I had no idea who that person was. And then I said, it's time to leave. And so I did. Um, that's the That person would go on to become your wife. You know, <laughs> if, if only if that only. was the story, Gosh, that'd be so good. That would be good. But no, that's that's. Do you know who that person is? Like, have you? I have, have no idea. <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna get a message after this episode airs, and you're like, "Hey, that was me." Yeah, fucking like f- it was me five years ago. They'll remember uh, <laughs> that it was them. Um, I don't know. That's that's my history with uh, the cursed reefer. Um, Bran, any any thoughts on your ends? I don't know. Just like <laughs> listen to the Chronic 2001. That's about how I feel about weed. <laughs> Smoke weed every day. But let's say that you are. In the late 1930s, and you don't like weed. Let's say you're a fan of Mr. William Randolph Hearst. Let's say that you have a vendetta against the hemp industry. Um, And you want to say something about that cursed reefer. Um, Then you might be one of the groups that financed this film, uh, Reefer Madness. Uh, Yeah, it it was made by a church group, and it was initially... So yeah, in 1936, it was made just as a film to be shown to parents. Um, I think that's what it was made under the original title of tell your children. Um, Do you know what the church group was? Uh, no, no, I don't have, uh, a, I don't have a good enough source to have that info. Um, but then well, an early entry into the, uh, long and ongoing history of bad Christian movies. Y- yes. Yeah. This, I mean, <laughs> just boring. And this is def- bad dialogue. This was essentially the God's not dead of the 1930s. Oh yeah. That's what God wants. You have no idea how much I'm going to enjoy failing you. Yeah. But who are you really looking to fail? Me or God? God's not dead. He's surely alive. Or like the shack. There's all those like secret Christian movies. That come out now too, is it? Uh, have you heard sound of freedom is another one that's coming out. Oh uh, boy. This year starring our buddy, Jim Caviezel. Um, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. It's, Who'd have thought the guy who played Jesus Christ in a <laughs> Mel Gibson film <laughs> would turn out to be a little wacky. I know. Uh, but yes, this was, yeah, this was uh, just an out, right christian propaganda film um but then an exploitation filmmaker Dwayne esper uh took the film threw in a few more salacious shots of uh like the people making out and like some extra shit going on and then it was re-released in 1930 they say 1938 or 1939. Uh, it's it's tough to track these things down. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, sort of went around the exploitation circuit. Um, it went under various titles. So, yeah, obviously, Reefer Madness was the big one. Uh, it was also known as The Burning Question. Uh, <laughs> it was also... What was The Burning Question? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It was also known as Dope Addict, Doped Youth, and Love, Dope. love Madness. <laughs> Love. <laughs> okay, listen. Great. Uh, first off, 
all accurate titles. I'm not going to say that they're not. Um, they're all pretty, pretty on it. Um, but yeah, it's like, I don't even know what the fuck to say. It is just an hour long, literal piece of garbage. Uh, they fucking like, they let the copyright slides. Like they didn't even care about this thing. They were just like, let's throw this like complete, like filth of like that factually inaccurate like fear-mongering piece of garbage out into the world and not even fucking copyright it like it's so boring is even a bigger that, crime so, almost I, than that's, how that's vile it it's is it's so funny because yeah like it sort of re-emerged in the 1970s and 80s as this thing for like people to laugh at at midnight well and do like you, yeah do you know the story behind that share it with us Catherine. i do because i'm a dramaturg so i'm a nerd um, so in 1972, Kenneth Stroop, the leader of the National Organization for Reform of Marijuana Laws, stumbled upon the movie in the Library of Congress. Right. He realized he had something unintentionally hilarious on his hands, so he purchased the print for $297 and started screening it on college campuses. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then and then that's like kind of how it reemerged is all these college kids just watching this film and getting high. Yeah, I I, I I can see, like, again, like, I watched the film very sober. I'm curious, yeah. like, if I was in a group of friends and we were all very high, I'm sure we would find some shit to laugh at. But, Brian, I think you're absolutely right. It's it's not even, it's not even like a little shop or, like, a Plan 9 where it's, like, you can find that we're, like... Because I think, again, like, the whole thing, even, like, like a Roger Corman film or an Ed Wood film, the thing about those movies is that the director actually did care. Like, like, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of effort thrown into this. I don't know what the fuck uh, Monsieur Gasnier thought when he was throwing together this schlock. There's just, like... It's like a homework-ass movie. It opens with, like, (laughs) five pages of... Stuff you have to read. I know. Five pages of text. Five pages of text. Absolute bullshit. Um, and yeah, it's again. You have this framing device of the lecturer who also pops up in the music. So I will say, yeah, there's they they do a pretty decent job of like taking the base elements. Oh yeah. Of this film and then figuring out, okay, how can we, what can we do with this in our sort of parody adaptation? Uh of this show but it is so boring and it's also very complicated i felt like i i was having a real i like i was having a hard time following along with like the plot of this thing it also doesn't help that it's a black and white film and like it's just like a bunch of fucking like white people who all look the same like i was honestly like having a hard time like keeping sound sucks it's hard to hear um, well again like because it's it's in the public domain like it's just like it's such a crappy print that's been like just like uploaded to streaming sites once it's, it's what 68 minutes but like yeah. the majority of like the interesting things that happen like killing a guy with a car and like <laughs> yeah and like uh just like unruly violence like things like that just happen in a very finite amount of time yeah and so you're just like well okay that was fun yeah and then you just move on to more like this is like just obviously also like the the racial stereotypes they bring in which yeah. they obviously the musical also like mm-hmm. makes heavily fun of of like jazz music jazz <laughs> yeah. music I, really the jazz music thing is the fun like again that is just like the most like overt like 
Okay. Uh, I you 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 okay. you're spelling it out without spelling it out. I love it. Um, yeah. so fucking on the nose. Um, it's, it's very good. Um, I yeah, I love like God. I love all the stuff with the piano, which they also bring to the stage show. Oh yeah, faster, faster. play faster, <laughs> play faster. I mean. I, if if that would make me play piano that well and that fast, like I would. I no would kidding. I know. Like, or <laughs> dancing well. If you if you become a good dancer, by like I mean I I I mean like I could dance, but I have to be given choreography. Otherwise, if sure. I'm like a dancer, I'm like like loopy arms and like weird shit. That's just how I dance. But if I was given the promise of marijuana making me a good dancer, yeah. <laughs> Marijuana. Mar- yeah, that's yeah, they, yeah. They marijuana. Yeah. yeah, in the yeah the stage show. Mary Jew. Oh, oh, what is this? Yeah, that's probably <laughs> that's probably why they spell it with an H. So they're like, well, we can make sure all the nice white people can like understand how to pronounce this word. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, so the basic plot of Reefer Madness, um, a bad movie that you shouldn't watch, um, no. is uh, there's these two young, well, Bill, Billy or Bill is in high school. Bill and Jimmy. Bill's in high school. Jimmy's in college. Bill uh, loves this girl, Mary, Mary Lane. Um, they read Romeo and Juliet together. It's very cute. Um, but then they get hooked by this guy, uh, this guy, Jack. Who's trying to like uh, feed off the young young boys and young young kids to get them hooked on the reefer, um, uh, and that's this what happens. It's all about them and how it makes them crazy. It makes Jimmy they he runs over an old man. Oh, no, no, Bill Bill runs over an old man in the car again. Again, like I kept getting bi- there should not be two people. I know. I mean, that's, yeah. the, I mean, that's the biggest no brainer that the musical does yes. yeah. combine. Jimmy and Bill. Yes, in the in the movie adaptation of the musical, I like there's that scene like near the end where Jack tries to bring back another kid and he calls him Bill. So it's like, oh, that's a cute little allusion mm. to the original film. But yes, you're absolutely right. It's like this, like again, it's so strange because this is again a piece of propaganda. It should be one would think <laughs> it should be very simple and like yeah. be able to like get its message across very clearly, but it is needlessly complicated. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. It's very silly. And then it's like, but also, I mean, and the musical does this too, and much to a much better effect, but it like sort of does switch protagonists at the end sure. and follow May and see her confession and stuff. Yeah. At the court. And yeah. And then, but he, yeah, confusing, confusing. It's a, it's a strange thing. And then, yeah, they, yeah, but they do change some of the characters. So yeah, like in this original film. Uh, there is me, but there's also Blanche, who I guess is kind of the Sally character. Yeah. Um, Ralph is completely different. <laughs> um, for the better, I would say, in the stage show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is much better. Uh, but in the movie, he's just like, again, he's kind of just like a suit. Like, uh, like uh, he's a, kind of a zoot suit fellow. Like, uh, not exactly a zoot suit, but like kind of that sort of like nice sharp fellow like Jack. But then he gets progressively crazier over the course of the progressively movie. darker eye makeup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, eventually what happens? Uh, Ralph tries to Ralph tries to rape Mary. Uh, Jack shoots Mary. Bill is framed. I don't, I don't even again. I don't even know where Jimmy went. Where the fuck did Jimmy go halfway through this thing? 
I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Tell you. Um, I was yeah, I was sober too. I do not know. It's just it's just a needlessly complicated thing. But yeah, uh, Ralph uh, kills Jack just with a stick. Just beats him a whole bunch. Which, a stick. I know. Uh, whatever. It's so stupid. You and, have such like that's the other thing is they're like you have super strength when you're high, which I'm just like I know. <laughs> So, like, a stick, a simple stick, you can just beat someone to death with it. Because you are so strong. He should have killed him with the piano. Sure, hey, he should have stuck his head in. Thwack, thwack, thwack. Would have been Chekhov's great. upright, you know? Chekhov's <laughs> upright. Um, but then, yeah, Blanche is like, I'll be a witness to this trial. And then as she's, like, heading over there, she's like, I can't do it. And she jumps out a window. Tragic. Yep. But then, right? But then Bill Bill gets off. I mean, did they even show? Did no? He 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 gets he gets cleared. His name gets cleared, right? I think. I think so. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. His conviction's overturned, and then Ralph is sent to an asylum for the criminally insane. And then, yeah. But then, yeah. The this sort of this framing device that this is being the story is being regaled at a parents teacher conference. Um, with with our lecturer character, and yeah, he ends the film by saying like sort of what I what I opened the episode with, it's like this uh uh this this next tragedy may be that of your daughter or your son or yours or yours or yours, and then pointing right at you through the screen or yours, and then a big text says tell your children, and I and I thought to myself I will I'll tell them uh to never watch this. <laughs> Um, I'll tell them to get high and watch this if they want to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they feel um, like it. That's about as much. I don't know. That's as much lip service I want to give yeah, to whatever. this. Whatever. Yeah. Shit. Like, I, boring. It was just bo- <laughs> whatever. Like, I don't think it's. I don't think it's interesting. Obviously, like the most no. interesting thing about it is sort of what we're about to talk about now, which is the adaptation. Um, which again, I'm just gonna say. So, let me cough because. Okay. This gummy has made my throat dry. So here's what's up with this musical. Um, and people might be confused and be like, "Now wait a minute, movie the musical." I know you. I know you have a Patreon where you talk about musicals that have been adapted into films. What's the big idea you're talking about the film version of this on the main feed? What are you doing? I'm going to say, listen, buddy. The film version's fucking great, and it is maybe going to be your best uh, resource for knowing what this musical is. Like, that's... It isn't done a lot, which is really a shame, because I actually think it's a... It's better than a lot of... Contemporary musicals that are staged these days I'm actually surprised you don't see a lot more stagings of it I think it's, I don't know, it feels like a really easy show to put up I was amazed the Wikipedia article says that there's not been a prominent Chicago production No, I don't know of one There was a company a few years ago Circle Theatre no, cult, oh. well, cult camp productions oh, as well. Oh, sure, yeah. And they would do it. It was kind of like their Rocky Horror, so to speak. Interesting. But, I, but I've always wanted to do this show in Chicago. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dude, yeah, like, yeah. Circle Theater yeah. did it a decade ago, but nothing nothing since then, which, again, it's again like it's not only a fun show, but it's also a well-written show. Um, 
the song slap. Um, but you could get a dispensary to sponsor yeah, it. Yeah, you too. I mean, like, get Mocha it. to underwrite a production of this. Think about the amount of money. Two joint minimum. I mean, yeah, two I joint just, minimum. <laughs> wow. But no, honestly, I'm... like again, like it's it's funny and smart, and the songs slap. But yeah, this is the one exception I'm gonna make, or gonna be like, I think, and again, the. The, I was like following along watching the movie with the script for the stage show. And again, it's so, this shows, the history of the show is wild. So if these two writers, uh, like I said, Kevin Murphy and Dan Studney, Kevin Murphy, that name might be familiar, you would know that because he went on to uh, be one of the co writers of Heather's the Musical. Um, mm. So yeah, really, really, really great guy. Um, but yeah, him and uh, Dan Studney, they met at college. They were driving from Oakland to Los Angeles and purportedly uh, were listening to Frank Zappa's Joe's Garage. And they were talking about how you might stage this piece. And then they got on just to talking about Reef of Madness and thinking, well, what would that look like as a musical? And apparently, uh, so the legend says, they drafted the first song by the time they reached L.A. Um, they got their friend uh, Andy Fickman to direct it, and he's pretty much directed, like, every major production of this show. He directed it in L.A., he directed it off-Broadway, he directed the movie. And I want to quickly, because I love doing this, I want to read off, uh, Andy Fickman has... he, so he directs this show, and he also directs Heathers. He also directed the L.A. production of Jutopia, for whatever that's worth. Um, the rest of this man's filmography is fascinating. Catherine, I don't know if you looked this up, um... I didn't, but I I knew Heather's in Jutopia, yes. but that's all I knew. Here's what's up. Uh, he made his film debut uh, with a movie called Who's Your Daddy? Um, nope. All right. Great. We love questions. We love, <laughs> we love questions. Here's a question for you, listeners. Who's your daddy? Uh, then he turns She's the Man. We know, she, oh. we know, we know she's the man. Um, she's the man. Love her. She, well, you love her, the man. Twelfth uh, Night. Twelfth <laughs> Night, but with Amanda Bynes. Uh, then he directs the game plan. What if uh, The Rock was a football player? Uh, an, an, oh. er, an early Dwayne The Rock Johnson billing uh, from 2007. He directs another uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson film, Race to Witch Mountain. <gasps> oh, I've never seen that film because I've heard it's bad. He directs a film called You Again, which reunites him with Kristen Bell. Um, he directs a film called Parental Guidance, which is a Billy Crystal Bette Midler film. What? He directs Paul, Ma- Paul Blart, Mall Cop no. 2, the Two. sequel. Oh, no. And then he, his most recent film he's directed is a movie called Playing With Fire. It stars John Cena, John Leguizamo, and Keegan-Michael Key as firefighters, but they have to take care of children. Whoa! Um, I'd probably watch that. Yes. I uh, mean, I like all three of those guys. Like, that's a good, that's a good lineup of this actors is true, right but there. Not, uh, so, but then, of course, I think maybe for me, the most unhinged part of this, uh, <laughs> he directed, if, from what I can tell, he directed all 48 episodes of the short-lived series Kevin Can Wait, <laughs> starring Kevin James. Which I did not watch. No, but I'm guessing that's... Is that like a follow-up to King of Queens, or was that late? I don't know. Kevin Can Wait. I think, it, I think it is, <laughs> and true. then now obviously they have yes, that. Yes, there's Kevin can go. Out. Kevin can go fuck himself or something like that. Um, 
something like yeah it's, yeah that's Which, good it, i'm so excited for it but yeah it's that's Paul. I mean, that makes sense. Paul Blart, and then you do a series with Kevin James. Yeah, clearly, like, clearly they got along well together. But it's just so interesting to just be like this guy who was working in theater, like making these, like to, in my estimation, pretty interesting uh, musical projects, and then just be like, yeah, and I also just like direct these like uh, commercial movies that like are fine. Uh, they're all like middling to fine. Uh, I don't know. I'm always fascinated by like what happens when theater directors make movies. Like it's it's always interesting to sort of see like what where what is your what are you uh, uh, wow where are your impulses like what are your I'd say probably making money <laughs> making well, making money so he can do Had, like sure so he could sure. do another one maybe that's so fair. he can go back with like his college buds and like make shit and not worry you're not about wrong. stuff you're not wrong uh, but yeah so this. This had a production in 98 in Los Angeles, did very well, won a bunch of awards. Uh, as we mentioned before, it opened off-Broadway um, and closed off-Broadway within like a month. Um, and of course, uh, my favorite fact about... So Kristen Bell was in the off-Broadway production of this. They actually... Mm -hmm. I, okay, cool. I, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, I believe between the two productions, they like... Like Christian Campbell, who plays Jimmy, was, as, was in like the LA and the New York one. John Kaser was in both productions. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Tordy. Robert Tordy, who plays Jesus in the movie. That a role is on the stage version that's double cast with Jack. So obviously they got Stephen Webber for the film, but um, yeah, he plays Jesus in the film. Um, Side note about Robert Tordy, mm -hmm. because one of my childhood obsessions was the Donny Osmond, Joseph and the Amazing Tech Cloud Dreamcoat. Okay. Robert Tordy is the pharaoh in that film version. Oh. oh. So he has played both <laughs> Jesus and the pharaoh who turned away Joseph. Both, so like, both, both, si both testaments. Both Man. testaments. Broadway's Jim Caviezel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's a little bit nicer than Jim Caviezel, I would like to think. Um, but uh, may that as it be, uh, so it like flopped off Broadway. Uh, of course, who was the choreographer for the off-Broadway production, friends? Paula Abdul. Sure was. Oh, wow. Paula Abdul. <laughs> but yeah, but they, like, they made a lot of heavy revisions between the LA production and the off-Broadway production. They, of course, made more revisions from off-Broadway to the film. And then they essentially, like, took what they learned from making the movie version of this and then re-edited the stage version to be a little closer to the movie. Because, yeah, that's the thing. Like, as I was following along with the movie version, like, the stage script is very similar. Like, it's pretty, pretty one-to-one. -one. Obviously, the biggest thing is the framing device. So, in the stage show, the framing device is that you are at a high school where they have recently done Green Grow the Lilacs. Uh, uh, flashback to our Oklahoma, Oklahoma. episode. Um, and they've reunited the cast of Green Grow the Lilacs to reenact this Reefer Madness musical for you, the audience. Um... Which is very fun. It's a very funny device, but obviously in the film, it is sort of similarly. It's the PTA meeting, and uh, they're watching. A, they are just watching a film reel of of the musical. Um, well, in in I mean, in the in the film version, we get that great opening number with like zombies. I believe, and there are zombies in the stage show too. That's right. Yes. That's right. But I'm just like, it's great. Yes, it's a fun device. Yeah. Who would have thought? Zombie. Um, hey, weed's gonna make you a zombie. It's gonna slow you down. 
And so you're nothing but a corpse of your former self. That flat, that like deflated girl from that 90s commercial, yes. you know, or maybe early oh 2000s. My God. Gosh, man. That's what I turn into every day. I remember those. I feel like there was so many of those like on Adult Swim, which is kind of ironic because like yeah, that is like the network for stoners. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and then just to have like anti, like it was like the truth. It was, I mean, I know they were mainly like a fucking like anti tobacco thing, which fair, like cigarettes. It's all actual, all worse for you than weed. That's true. But like, I don't know, just like the fucking, it's almost like Peter levels of like, yes, you're saying a correct thing, but at what cost are you trying to do this shit? And I'm also, gonna... pretty sure those truth commercials were like, I'm pretty sure whatever company that is, is like owned by Philip Morris. Yes, it is. Not yeah. even kidding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the funny so, thing is, is they play that, and then you're like, you're high as a kite watching those commercials, and then you're like, but I'm going to watch Tim and Eric Awesome show right now. Yeah. <laughs> and who watches that show sober? You're, I mean, I don't know. We, you hey, know, that's a question. That is a question. <laughs> what questions? Another question. <laughs> we love them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, so um, long story short, uh, the songs in this uh, musical slap, uh, they absolutely rip. They are so catchy. They are so fun. And I think, you know, something that we talk about, I feel like often is, I don't know, like genre pastiche. Like, I think these like capture this like perky 50s energy. Um, really well in the music and in the lyrics as well. There's some really clever lyrics. Very at smart. Play. It's a smart one. It's a real, real smart one. Um, I wish I'd, uh, I'd, and just like the, just the, the, the joke of each song, I think is really mm-hmm. fun. Like, I think yeah. like, so like Romeo and Juliet, um, just like the, the bit of the game of that song where it's like these two, uh, very stupid teenagers, uh, <laughs> singing about Romeo and Juliet and how they can't wait to get to the happy ending. Um, you don't have this in the stage version, but I love in the film version, you have that fantasy where they're getting married and William Shakespeare himself is the efficient and they're like um <laughs> i can't wait to see how it ends and the shakespeare's like no no you're you're both wrong <laughs> um it's good it's uh very fun i uh there's a great stage direction so yeah so again it's pretty much the same premise as the film um there's no billy thank goodness they sort of just all pair it down to this one character uh jimmy harper um, uh, clean white American boy, uh, James Finnamore Harper. Yes, <laughs> James Finnamore Harper and his love Mary Lane, played by Kristen Bell. One of her best roles, I gotta say. Truly, yes. I just love that you can do a film like this and then go on to be a Disney princess, who like knew? and be in the good knew? place. Yeah, and be in the good place. Yeah, but like. I don't know. Just thinking about the journey that some actors have when they're in the the dis, they're under the mouse. Sure, yes. Um, but obviously, she did the reverse versus like a child actor who then goes off and does her own thing. Yeah. yeah. And forgetting Sarah Marshall's like a pretty rude, lewd comedy, sure. you know, to go to. It's, yeah, it's true. good movie. She, it's true. Hey, very good movie. Um. But you're you are right that yeah she she sort of took the reverse direction where she sort of like had this sort of like more I guess quote unquote adult career before sort of veering into the and I wouldn't even say she's like all the way in the Disney princess like obviously she's just like she's voiced uh, Anna in what two movies like I don't mm-hmm. know I feel like she's 
she's still in the place where she can sort of like creatively do whatever the fuck she wants, I oh, would yeah. say. Um, yeah. She doesn't have to worry about that Disney hammer falling down on her. Um, I There's a great stage direction describing the reefer den, which is where uh, Jack and Ralph and May and uh, Sally, which I guess is the Blanche character now, uh, Sally, um, they describe it as, quote, there's enough pot growing to send Tommy Chong into geosynchronous orbit. <laughs> Which is, I mean, fairly descriptive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that gives me a very clear idea as to how much weed is in this house. Quite a bit. Um, but yeah. yes, they, they recreate the bit uh, with Ralph and Sally at the piano. Faster. 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 And so, okay, I want to say, John Kaser, um... One of the most Please. underrated actors, I would say, in the world. Um, because Brand, you know who he is, right? No. Oh. Well, his most famous credit is he is the crypt keeper. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. That that thrills me. Yes, he is. He, I can hear it in the laugh he, now. Yeah, exactly. Tales from the crypt. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he's very well known for his voiceover work for very good reason. Um, but yeah, he was, and he's also got a great singing voice. He's very fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got a great, yeah, he's just done a lot of, a lot, a Lots lot of, of voiceover work. I saw him, I saw him off Broadway in the Glorious Ones, uh, <gasps> the Aaron's and Flaherty oh, musical. I love that show. Right, it's a great That's show. Right, I forgot he was in that. He's yeah. great in it. But yeah, I was saying the, Cri- was... the Crypt Keeper is sort of his biggest uh most notable role but he's mm-hmm. like if you watched a cartoon during the 90s chances are he was in there somewhere like he's just got one of those voices where he was just like able to to pop up uh here and there and everywhere and i think he's still he he was the voice of miko in pocahontas the fucking the the raccoon the raccoon um but yeah, he just shows up wherever. Um, he's in a bunch of video games, Bran. He's in the Halo. He does additional voices in a bunch of the Halo games, apparently. Love additional voices. Yeah. My favorite role of his. <laughs> Honestly, I'm like looking through his like IMDb. I would say like a good 70% of his uh, resume is additional voices. Uh, um, <laughs> cool. Which again, like, listen, if you can do that and make a living and stay mm-hmm. on this good here planet Earth, more power to you, John. Sounds dreamy. Um, and he's in this, and he's hilarious. Very express. And it's so funny, like for a voiceover artist, very expressive face. Mm-hmm. He's just yes. got got an absolute clown of a figure, and I say that in a truly loving way. Um, but yeah, and then May uh, in the film played by Anna Gasteyer, just Ugh. marvelous. More of her. More of her. More. More her. Anna. What, what, Catherine? What is what has Anna been up to? What is like? Um, I mean, she's actually been releasing, like, a lot of, not a lot, but, like, I think she has two solo albums out, because she loves yeah. jazz, and, like, she's got the voice for it. I mean, she, Very did, cool. she was Alpha Bun Wicked at one point. She was Alpha Bun Wicked, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got, I mean, yeah, she, but, so she sings The Stuff, which is this lament uh, of the life that she's lost now that she's hooked on The Stuff. Um, and again, just, like, a great sort of, like, torch song kind of kind of number um which again she sings uh to the rafters uh, it's great um yeah 
Uh, and then, yeah, I love the sort of the little asides that come in here and there that from the lecturer about, like, yeah, like, they bring in the thing about, like, the... How it like jazz? It sort of it. It adds in these disgusting grace notes that slip in between the melody. Uh, so... To seduce white women <laughs> yeah. and like, yes. <laughs> I mean that whole section of her just like walking out to this jazz musician and like ripping her shirt open mm-hmm. and like it, it just oh it's the one guy in the crowd's like oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you also you also in the stage version you get. This character known as Placard Girl, who essentially like will oh, yeah. come out with a sign and be like Reefer, like when like uh, Jimmy hits the old man, it'll be like Reefer makes you kill old men. Like she'll like cement in the points <laughs> that like the lecturer is trying to get across. Um, yeah, yeah, literally, I wrote it down. Reefer kills poor old men. Um, it's very Brechtian. Yes, like I know. Yeah. Thinking about it. This whole piece is very Brechtian because it's constantly reminding you that you are watching a play and to not get sucked in. Like, it's constantly, like, tongue-in-cheeking and being like, hey. But again, this, like is, this. this is another show like Little Shop um, where I could see it really easy for the actors to overplay this. Like, oh, I could yeah. see, oh, like, yeah. I could see a world, I could see a universe where there's a really bad production of this show where they're just like being so over the top with the winking and i think what's really sort of helpful to think about it is that it's not like just like some group that they've done in to perform this play it's it's in the script it is the cast of the high school play so i'm curious if like in a production of this like there could be like hesitancy or awkwardness with these kids having to reenact these scenarios and sort of even like the worry of like, is this actually true? Does this actually do this? I don't, again, like, I'm curious if there is an added sort of meta narrative that a production could put onto this show. Um, that's, that's just by director. Or maybe right? they have to reuse uh, costumes from Green Grow the Lilac. <laughs> yes! So it's like Western wear. Oh my, that, that should be really funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, when everything's back open, we'll do, we're finding a way to do this. Uh, <laughs> oh, agreed. Agreed. We gotta agree. Ag- agreed. Grow the lilacs. <laughs> There's my book. Moko will be in touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. D- yeah. Then you get uh, down at the old five and dime. They're all the, the old malt shop. Very cute number. Very fun number. In the film, you get Nev Campbell uh, dancing up a storm. Dancing up a storm. Because yeah, she's just great. In the I, yeah. I didn't know until I watched this film that then I like Wikipedia at her and I was like, oh, you're like a classically trained dancer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her brother okay. is Jimmy. Her mm-hmm. brother is Christian Campbell, who plays Jimmy. Um, we love that. Uh, because in the stage version, it's Mr. Poppy and it's played by the lecturer. The lecturer pops up. I mean, uh, Alan Cumming pops up in the film in like a lot of little roles here and there. Um, in the stage show as well, he plays the goat man at the orgy that's coming up, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is very good. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's great. Um, but then, yeah, that's where Jack meets Jimmy and it's like, I'm going to give you dancing lessons, kid. Um, and then <laughs> is they, that your American accent? Is that know, the accent I've been warned about? It's, it's our <laughs> accent. It's an, appro- okay. it's an approximation of Stephen Weber. Okay. In the 2005 film. Okay, I'm not coming for you. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, not, not yet. Uh, then, yeah, so Jimmy, Jimmy takes a hit. 
And then there's an orgy. Um, it's very strange, very strange sequence. Uh, not gonna lie. I'm like, I get it. Like they got like, you know, it's supposed to be like weird. Let's just say jungle vibes going on. Yeah. And you can sort of extrapolate from that whatever you like. And it's not great. Like, I bet you could make aesthetic choices that maybe might make that number a little better. Mm -hmm. um, that would be like my one, one of my big things. But because, um, yeah, it moves sort of straight into this, this from the jungle motif to the satanic motif pretty quickly in the number. Um, sure. Yeah, there's a, he's a there's a satyr that essentially like tries to peg Jimmy. <laughs> I believe that is the implication. Weed makes you gay too. It, it does crazy things to you, the reefer. <laughs> That's me taking an imaginary uh, hit. Um, mm -hmm. But then, yeah, Jimmy's Jimmy's uh, gone crazy already. He's losing it. He's just, he won't hang out with Mary anymore. He, they try and kiss, and she's like, that was your tongue! <laughs> he sees the little teeth clams yes. in his pasta. Yes. And, and, like, throws pasta all over his family. And then he sad. gets in the shower with his mother, which is also really, it's like, Very strange. He's got, some, he's got some great physicality, like, just going from, like, the straight-laced, like, American teen to that, like, hunched-over, like... Gollum, Gollum figure. figure. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much. Um, then uh, Mary Lane sings Lonely Pew. She's very sad. Oh, For, oh, such adorable. a great number. I know. Um, and then immediately after, Ralph and Jimmy come in to... to Wait, can I yeah, say please. my favorite... Like, okay, so this is one of... Like, the, I mean, I know we noted this, but the lyrics in this, in some of these songs, are utterly incredible. They're and really clever. They're very, very clever lyrics. There's a line in Lonely Pew, because I also, like, wanted to, at one point, sing this as in my rep when I used to be a musical theater maker, so, like, mm -hmm. I love this stuff. But there was, um, oh, God, it's a line about transubstantiation. Oh, yes, which, yes, yes. Um, I forget the, oh, damn, I'm going to have to look it up real quick. Um, and, yeah, I know thing, exactly what you're talking about, yeah. But the thing that kills me is that, like, if you, I mean, obviously, if you don't know what transubstantiation means, you don't know what that lyric means, but to fit that word into a lyric is just utterly incredible. Oh, the wafers now don't taste so great. They won't transubstantiate. Yes. <laughs> um, More power uh, to them. My goodness, yeah. For, for, for those who are not Catholic, the Catholics believe that when the body and blood, well, when the bread and wine of uh are blessed they transubstantiate and they literally turn into the body and blood of christ here's what i'm gonna so, say on this matter uh i went to a catholic uh wedding recently yeah you did uh, it was my first one and uh, i had a cracker i had a i had a communion oh. wafer needs more salt that's all i'll say <laughs> jesus yeah, they... jesus needs more salt well and maybe the commentary uh of transubstantiation has something to do with Similarly to Catholics, reefer smokers turn into cannibals at the end. Ooh. We see. Oh. So, Look at that. Look at you. Eating the body. Making, uh, making parallels. Miss, uh, little little brand. Uh, we love it. Uh, but then, yeah, Ralph and Jimmy uh, sneak into the church. But then Jimmy is visited by our good friend, Jesus Christ. Uh, he sings a little ditty called Listen to Jesus Jimmy, which is actually one of my favorite songs in the show. Uh, yes. What's, uh, I love the lyric, uh, 
something like it'll Kiki Keister. I'm the poster boy for Easter. Um, there's a lot yes. of fun little uh, rhymes in this song. Um, uh, I'm the face on the shroud of Turin. Do I need to test your urine? <laughs> uh, and I just, it's incredible. Like, yeah. I just think it's so smart. And I also love in the film, Robert Torty's got his chalice of wine and he just has the wafers and you're just flicking at him. Yeah, it's... He's throwing them like guitar picks. Yeah. So yeah. And then yeah. Yeah. And he just like appears in the shot everywhere mm-hmm. the camera turns. Yeah. It's very cute. It's very, it's... Yeah, again, Andy Fickman. Hey, how you doing, babe? <laughs> Andy Fickman like directed the film version of it. And I mean, a, a conversation that's going to come up a lot on our Patreon this year about musical to film adaptations. This is a mm-hmm. very good one. I think this is actually it's... a very, very good musical movie i think it's filmed especially for like a what is in the grand scheme of things a low budget indie musical movie mm-hmm. it's actually yeah. filmed pretty decently yeah he he really smartly staged things i mean like even they tap into the like for for me i'm like 25 million dollars is a lot of money to make a movie but i'm also like not making in the heights or whatever sure so so that's <laughs> that's like pittance compared to that film. Have you uh, seen In the Heights, Catherine? I have seen it in the Heights. Give um, us your give us your one sentence. Um they should have kept everything I know. Otherwise. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Yes. Um but uh like just like obviously that is more like of a magical interpretation of that world yeah. uh, in the heights but for this it's like what do you do with this how do you trans like translate this to a different thing and they tap into the low budgetness of it like even when like even i mean satan doesn't look great like let's be real sure. Satan's, like painted <laughs> just in some red, red yeah they just like yeah they just but, like dipped him in a bucket of red paint <laughs> once but I love the fact that when he before they reveal it's Satan, he's got this really shitty ass wig on. Yeah, as do a lot of the other people in the scene, and they just pull it off and they just tap into it. And yeah. it's, I'm like, yeah, just they just they welcome it. They're not trying to hide the fact that they don't have as much money as other films. They're like, no, we're just going to tap into this. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, I guess I missed. I do like that Ralph snorts frankincense when they're at the church. Good bit, <laughs> clever bit. Um, the hymn, the hymn book, like where they would put like what verse they're going to read from is it just says 420 all down in yes. the film, too. And the house Love number, that. uh, uh, Jack and May's house is 420. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> Listen, whatever they can throw it in, <laughs> throw it in wherever they, wherever they want. Uh, but. Jimmy doesn't listen to Jesus. He's got a new God, as he says. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the cursed reefer is his God now. Um, there is a song in the stage version that didn't make it to the film, which is fun. Uh, it's a lullaby where Ralph, embodying the spirits of Sally's baby, sings a lullaby about being sold for, for reefer, for money for reefer. It's very Boy. sad. Um, I know. <laughs> I feel like that would be the downer because in the in the film, like I don't, there's not one weak song in my opinion. Sure. I think everything kind of flows really nicely. But if they added that song back in, it That'd would be like, like yeah. oh, I mean, yeah, God. it's like it's like a it's like a ninety second song, so it's like yeah. it's probably like a very fun joke on stage. But 
uh, just, yeah, probably would have been dead weight in the stage, in the film version. Um, oh, yeah. But then, yeah, they're driving around, Jimmy and Sally, and they kill an old man. I love, they hit the old man, but then he's just, like, perfectly on his back in front of the car. <laughs> um, it's great. Um, but then, yeah, Sally walks away. It kind of imitates the the tell your children too because yeah. it does that like that like push zoom and then it just shows somebody laying in the street mm-hmm. and you're like oh the car hit him i also think they don't have a, they didn't have a stunt double so like old sure. man uh, yeah again <laughs> but, but again they're, they're playing into it right they're just like yeah. oh we know yeah. the limitations of what we can and can't do and let's make the best choice out of what those limitations are um, mm-hmm. Sally walks away. I was never here. And then we get a song <laughs> that was written for the film, but has now been reincorporated into the stage show. But, uh, fucking good. Uh, Mary mm-hmm. Jane slash Mary Lane. Very catchy. Very fun. Mm-hmm. It won them an Emmy uh, that year oh. for best original music and lyrics. Um, again, I think well deserved. Um, yeah. And yeah, they were just like, let's put our Emmy winning song uh, into the stage show because it's very good. Um, so yeah, Mary Jane, oh Mary Jane. Um, he goes and he sings that to Mary Lane and he's given up uh, Mary Jane and he's gonna fall in love with Mary Lane with an L. It's for love. Like, <laughs> for love. I love you. I, yeah, I. I definitely the first time didn't get the Mary Jane sure. Mary Lane joke, and then all of a sudden, like I was like, "Oh yes, the wires connected." Yeah, yeah. I'm like, "This is so smart, Jimmy. What uh. are you doing here? It's almost it's in the middle of the night. It's almost nine p.m." So Did you take my car? <laughs> Very good. Yeah, again, Kristen Bell is just like able. Like, I mean, she she pulls she she throws in the Disney princess before she even knew it. Right? Yeah. It's just like mm-hmm. so beautifully naive. Um, but then, yeah, in the stage show, uh, so obviously, um, uh, with a movie being a movie, uh, you don't have to build uh build to a an act break. Um, but there is an act break in the stage show. Um. Which I guess, sure, I guess, you know, like, sometimes a show like this, I'd be like, just fucking do it in 90 minutes. But I mean, there's actually a lot of ground to cover. So I, I guess I'm, it's it's okay. It works out well. So there's just like an act one finale. And it's just sort of like this, this like medley of all of like Jimmy running away from the lamb and Jack running out to stop him and Mary Lane being like, oh, no, what's going to happen? And then act two pretty much just like picks up where, where we left off. Um... I think Jimmy's trying to take a train out of town, um, but then Jack is there, and it's a very, very important question. Oh, you like brownies? Oh, that's <laughs> that right. should have that should have been my opening question. Now that I think, uh, that I, would just, be a good one. I love the way that Stephen <laughs> Webber says it in the film. You like brownies? <laughs> well, because he's like trying to intimidate him. Oh yeah. Like, you got to say, because first of all, you killed a dude, but also like, I need your money and mm-hmm. I'm going to make money off of you. But then he's like, it's okay. But let me like, it's just, it's such a good switch. Yeah. Uh, and then he feeds and then he gives this brownie to, to Jimmy. And I guess you can do whatever the fuck you want on the stage version. But in the film version, it's this very silly animated sequence um, where I can't, I couldn't really tell if it was like properly hand drawn if it was, or if it was just like, a 2D done on a computer. Either way, it's very fun. This was not Don Bluth, right? <laughs> this was... Unlike Xanadu. 
This was not a Don Bluth production. I, what if this was like Titan AE comes out and he's like, fuck, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my career. I guess I'll do this brownie song for this TV version <laughs> of Reefer Madness. What's Reefer Madness? Oh, I don't know. It's a fucking flop musical. Whatever. Let's <laughs> this brown. I'm going to draw some breasts on this brownie. <laughs> bizarre i know there's a the macaroon there's like all of them as little fish which is very fun there's like the one fish that looks like a beatnik has got a little goatee that i like a lot <laughs> um it's very strange um but yeah and then mary is worried mary lane is very very worried where's jimmy she goes back to the old five and dime and uh, Mr. Poppy, the owner, is like, oh, I, I think he was at the old Jack place over there. And then there's like a little like reprise of down at the old five and dime where he's like, I'm working for Jack and I send the kids to get reefered, you see? Yeah. Well, and didn't he have a pole dance number at one point? Yep. In the L.A. production, he had a pole dance number. And then for the New York production, they couldn't get a pole. So they cut the pole dance number. That's a shame. Put it back in. Honor it. I, Honor the LA I production. See, I mean, I, I mean, now you can readily order pole dance poles for your your home. Like, yeah. It's very, but I, I want to watch Alan coming to a pole dance. I get it. Oh, oh yeah, that. Or I mean, we have plenty of friends that are great pole dancers. Sure. So just, you know, oh, just in general, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dalton, let's get Dalton to do. <laughs> Dalton from Fly Honey, let's get gotcha. them to to do a pole dance in the middle of this musical. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Sorry. I, no. Agreed. No, I agree. I agree. Um, <laughs> then uh, Mary arrives at the at the home, and Ralph uh, is like, "Why don't you take a?" A, a toke from the cigarette and she's like oh that's not reefer is it well i guess if it's what the college boys are doing i guess <laughs> and then she becomes an insatiable sex pot singing little mary sunshine um and it's the it's every man's worst fear an overly sexualized woman um terrifying <laughs> i know um but then uh that then Jack comes back and uh, Jimmy Jimmy wrestles Ralph or or Jimmy's wrestling the gun away from Jack. Some some kerfuffle happens and Mary gets shot. It's yeah yes that's all. The, the important thing is that Mary just, gets shot. Mary gets shot and Mary's dying and there's one more sad reprise of Romeo and Juliet where Mary's like, did the play end the way we we wanted it to? And then Jimmy and then no. Jack, Jimmy looks at <laughs> Jack and Man and us like shaking their heads. No, but then he's like, yeah, they had they had children and they lived happily ever after. Um, she dies. The cop show. He's like, one day, maybe I'll. Oh, no, that's at the end when he says, one day, maybe I'll get cancer and I'll. Hit or by a train. Get hit by a train. In the, in the, in the stage version, it's typhoid, which I guess is more relevant, I guess, to the time period. <laughs> to the 30s, yeah. sure. I'll get typhoid or hit by a train. Again, uh, <laughs> just thought his delivery on that is perfect in the final song. Um, but he gets arrested. 
um, Ralph is losing his mind, uh, in this really fun song, Murder, which apparently was originally just a book scene in, like, the original, original LA version, but they were like, no, this is a fucking song, we, and it's, it's a banger of a song, he's seeing, he's seeing, like, Jimmy, he's seeing, uh, the ghost, the ghost of Mary, uh, as the servant of, uh, in the stage version, it's the goat man, uh, but in the, in the film, it's Satan himself, um, <laughs> and then seeing all the ghosts of the other kids, uh, the ghosts of the kids who abandoned hope, uh, who got hooked on dope, uh, and he's just losing his mind, uh, just a little hungry, that's all. Again, just like John Kaser at his most maniacal in this number, <laughs> um, and then they go out to, like, get him food, but, oh no, don't you know, as Bran alluded to earlier, the reefer makes a monster out of all of us and before you know it you'll be eating upon your fellow human and so ralph eats sally ralph eats sally thank god we have go puff now because with go puff <laughs> don't, no, you can no don't don't you fucking use throw, code they don't sponsor us <laughs> don't you throw i have that. never used that shit yeah. just walk to the yeah, fuck, walk to the gas fuck, station you're I fine mean, fuck that middleman bullshit walk to 7-eleven you're I fine used it, i didn't use it for food i used it for duct tape when sure, i was installing that's, my that's <laughs> valid <laughs> Because I can't get that at the corner store. I get but, that. Fair enough. Uh, there's yeah. that hardware hardware store over there. I don't know. I was. It was midnight. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna walk there and wait. Fight anyway. Whatever. Um, um, Ralph eats Sally. Um, and they. So, uh, Jack has to murder Ralph. It's very sad. Um, he uh he just won't die in the in the film version. He like shoots him in both legs, and then he like <laughs> runs off into the corn, and then he gets impaled on that the scarecrow pike. But he's still alive. <laughs> but then he di- it's it's very fun. It's a very protracted death scene. Um, but then May is haunted by the ghost. It, it continues. Mm. It's like the murder is weighing on her. And she has no choice but to murder Jack, too, for the sake of all those kids who now won't get hooked on the stuff. Oh. Reprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she murders Jack and pulls out his heart at the end of the number. Honestly, cool. he deserves it. Yeah. Not just not because he was selling weed, but because he was doing very like he was beating May. So like yes. he's a bad he's a bad man. Uh my favorite one of my favorite things in the stage version is so Jimmy's about to go get electrocuted. And then oh, so yes. technically what happens is there's a reprise of Listen to Jesus Jimmy. It's essentially just Jesus coming back and gloating and just being like, You should listen to Jesus Jimmy. Uh and now you're gonna <laughs> die. Bleh. Um But there's like a literally like a like a note in the script. It's like if your production's like running on steam, running out of steam, you don't have to do this number. You can skip it. Like it's like this is completely optional. And I'm like, I appreciate. I appreciate you, Murphy and Studney, for being really open that maybe this is going to weigh down the end of the second act a little bit. They should do that for more musicals. <laughs> honestly! Like songs, honestly! Like, you don't need to do this. Yeah, yes. like, I don't, I don't need a third reprise from an Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. Like, let no, me tell just you. Like, like, sound of music. Yeah, just like, make your script You can hear us little... talk about that on our Patreon. Mm. <laughs> feel, we've been plugging it. Listen, I'm going to give us a pat on the back. We've been uh, plugging it pretty 
pretty well throughout the course of this episode. Um, go <laughs> us. Subscribe. It's good. Um, but yes, more musical scripts should be malleable. Give uh, chances mm-hmm. to move the action along if you mm-hmm. so desire. But no, look who shows up to save Jimmy. Why? It's Frank Delano Roosevelt, the president himself. Um, played by well, it, yeah, play, the yeah, played by the lecturer, played by the lecturer yeah. character. So in the film, it's Alan Cumming doing a great FDR. I gotta say, honestly, <laughs> impressed. Yes. I love that. You know, a little girl once told me that the the sun that the sun will come out tomorrow. Um, I wanted to <laughs> laugh in her face, but her father was a billionaire. <laughs> but I think she might have been great, great. Great, like, uh, great dramaturgical use of FDR mm-hmm. in a piece mm-hmm. of musical theater. Like, good on you. And if and if Newsies <laughs> had come out before Reefer Madness, sure. there might also be a reference because William Randolph Hearst. Yeah, fucking newspaper journalistic bullshit shenanigans. Asshole. Uh, you know, part of his animus against weed specifically was because Pancho Villa... Uh, like took over eight hundred thousand acres or something that William Randolph Hearst owned. Really, and Pancho Villa and his army were known for smoking a ton of weed. Mm. <laughs> so, like that fueled some of his propaganda wow. against this like personal vendetta. Yeah, that he really was a petty asshole. So, like yeah, that tracks for him. Um, I also love that May. At least in the film, but I also think I've seen it in like like I've seen pictures of stage productions. After she rips Jack's heart out, she's just like covered in blood from all this death yeah. that's happened around her. So she just goes to FDR covered in blood. And she's, yeah, she's in blood for the rest of the production. Yes. It's incredible. after assaulting a secret security officer. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um no, you're absolutely right. Um, and yeah, you get this. Fu- so uh, Jimmy is free and he swears he'll never smoke another joint again. And they sing this song, uh, Tell Him the Truth, which again really sort of hammers home. They're like, ah, we're going to stop all the weed and next we'll get rid of the socialists and the communists. And it's like, ah, <laughs> uh, I see. I, I see what your game is. Um, yeah. But then, yeah, uh, Mary is free from the clutches of hell flies back into heaven and then yeah then it ends with the i guess the just the audience or just the collective performing unit in the stage show yeah sort of being like it's it's time to take a stand and then they're like they're burning i think in the stage show it's like they're burning like a copy they're burning a microscope and a telescope and a copy of the importance of being earnest inexplicably <laughs> um and it's yeah like and the and next uh is charles darwin and sigmund freud uh and just and of course the the final line that the lecturer has uh, to just really hammer that nail in when danger's near exploit their fear um and he drives off the ends will justify the means um will they though uh i would say absolutely not hey y'all free everyone from prison who is in there for marijuana possession please Mm -hmm. um that's what i'll say um but no it is just again it is again tongue-in-cheekily pointing at this like yeah it's not about weed it was never about weed it's about literal like gross quote-unquote patriotic like nationalistic uh fear-based uh power uh mm-hmm. that's what it's always been about um weed is fine hey.
It's great. It's, it is arguably it's good. Arguably it's not just fine. Arguably it is comes from the earth, man. <laughs> <laughs> it helps my dog when she has anxiety during fireworks. You see so that? You hear that, William Randolph Hearst? Weed helps Catherine's dog. Lay off, you dead son of a asshole. Uh, <laughs> I'm just mad. I'm mad at. Billy Hurst, I'm mad at all these fuck like fucking like Nixon, like mm-hmm. like wanting to be like, well, we gotta find some way of saying that we want to get rid of the hippies and black people, but we can't mm-hmm. say that. So if we well, ban crap, if we like are overly militant on just like drug control, that's literally we can say it without saying it. And there's literally recordings and like notes of him say like it's so it's so mm-hmm. obvious, and people still fall for it today. That's maybe oh, yeah. the most frustrating thing that it's just like people still like will believe like this fucking. Pro- I mean, there's and there's so many other things that's just like propaganda about this uh in a similar way crack cocaine epidemic Mm -hmm. like literally when i was reading about how like i didn't even know that the 1930s 36 there was like the like one of the first drug like issues to like because i know they passed a law yeah in in 37 yeah yeah um that taxed marijuana Mm -hmm. and it was very much trying to control it um and and make it illegal um or was legal i don't remember but like that was like the first like real like drug epidemic so to speak in our country Mm -hmm. and then and then obviously the the 90s we got we have the war on drugs which was just all that propaganda bullshit they put out yeah but yeah, continues. History is a circle. It doesn't. It Truly. unfortunately just comes back Truly. and bites us in the ass. Yeah, as if we're as if we're not having a huge opioid addiction problem in this country still. Mm-hmm. That's usually mm-hmm. that's mostly pharmaceutical based. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. No, there's that there's that one person who interrupts the the I, I think it's in both scripts. Yeah. He he's like, I don't think you're right about marijuana. Like my cousin got hooked on heroin and it's bad yeah. stuff. And he just like makes him sit like he just he's like, Oh, what's your last name? Are you Russian? Sure. Yeah. Like, no, I'm Polish. And then they all just stare at him like, oh <laughs> and, and, and he's like, maybe it was marijuana, actually. I don't know. <laughs> but just putting yeah, just the the idea that facts aren't like can be molded to become falsities by fear based um propaganda. Yeah. It's just yeah, and it still very much exists. And I think and again, like I I could even extrapolate and make the argument that I think Reef of Madness the musical is sort of doing like a great public service as a piece literally combating this line of thinking. Literally mm-hmm. spelling out for you this is what they do, this is why it's they just do jingoism. it. Yes, this is how mm-hmm. they do it, this is why they do it. Um and I applaud it. For, and it does it not only in a smart way, but in an entertaining way. Um, yes. And I am a big fan of it. It is a musical that, yeah, I wish... I, I mean, people know about it, but I wish more people knew about it. I wish it sort of had as as much of sort of... I, I wish it had as much presence in sort of like the contemporary popular musical theater zeitgeist as I think it really should. I wish it was produced more often. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's just... Yep. A great show with a lot of opportunity. It reminds me a lot of like, I mean, obviously Rocky Horror is way older, but like the idea that it became this kind of like 
under like in the I mean the amount of productions they've had that have run for like so long yeah like it was the it was the midnight show it's the thing you go to you get high you drink you do whatever and you have fun but it's also like it's a it's a it's based off of a really shitty movie yeah and like I love Rocky Horror it literally was like a huge revelation for me as a young person to like go to those midnight shows but it's not a great film and so you can kind of sure. play along with it and make fun of it but also appreciate what it's trying to do yeah. still and I think that that's what this musical does really well Hell yeah yeah I love it I I I recommend it we don't have a we don't have anything on this show. Uh, like a rating system, but I recommend it. It's good. It is It is in the upper echelons of the shows that we have talked about on this show, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely top 10, if Absolutely. not top five. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it is, and especially just in the, just in what it is doing, in how it, in just what its adaptation is. I think it's just really splendid. Um, really marvelous. Um, I'm so tired. Um, but, <laughs> um, but enough about my own. But enough about that. I'm losing it. I'm losing it. You also had a got gummy. It. Are you high right now? Don't talk to me or my son ever again, Catherine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Catherine Miller. You know the yes. time's come. The time has come now to take a stand. Um, Catherine Miller, <laughs> since you are a returning guest, you already know, but I'm going to say it again for the for the listeners at home. At the end of every episode of Movie the Musical, we ask our guest a very important question. So, Catherine Miller, if you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not been adapted already, what movie would you choose? Okay, so... There is an entity, a, like, cultural entity that I love so, so much that was at one point turned into a musical, but it was not based on a film. It was not based on a TV show. Um, and it was absolutely horrendous. I know. I, honestly, I, I, I want to I I say on the record, I know exactly what it is, and I'm just going to let you finish. But I know exactly um, what we're talking about. So, uh, and I've been, I've actually been talking to it a lot with a lot of people, um, because it's just, it's, it's one of my top five favorite films of all time. Um, but also just this entity is so well loved. Um, so I think that there needs to be a stage adaptation of Adam's family values. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So like, here's the thing. You already have (laughs) the fucking Thanksgiving song, which is already one of the most brilliant, Pieces of songwriting. Mark Shaman wrote it. Sure. So we've got, we've already got a Broadway composer. Sure. And then you have Joan Cusack, who was also briefly mentioned earlier. And so, like, Brand, <laughs> when you accidentally, when you said Joan Cusack, I immediately was like, oh, this is weird. Foreshadowing. Right back around. So, Joan, that is, Debbie Jelinski is one of the most, in my opinion, but it is, in my opinion, the highest opinion. Um, Debbie Jelinski is one of the most important villains of all time. Right. <laughs> um, just context-wise, trauma-wise, like her her aboundingness of, of not getting Malibu Barbie when she was a child, sure. and how yes. she decides to go after men. And there's some, like, catharsis with going after men, but obviously she she finds Bester, and that's where the problem starts. But anyway, there's also 
Um, so we've got Mark Shaman. Yep. You could bring him in. You could do whatever. But obviously, <laughs> unlike a lot of movie musicals, where they reference a, a song in the film and then they cut it in the stage show because they don't have the money or whatever. First Wives Club, I'm talking about you and you don't own me, which is absolute bullshit. Um, you, you like you'd have to buy the rights from Mark Shaman. Like you could not not sure, put sure. that song in the show. But um, my friend Richard, who is the writing partner for. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race winner Jinx Monsoon, who I went to college with for a year. My friend Richard wrote a song that goes along with Debbie Jelinski's iconic monologue, and it is called What About Debbie? Okay. And it is incredible. And I think that there's a basis for this. Like, you already got the kooky weirdness of it, but it's just tapping into those characters. And also, like, I don't know. Oh, gosh. Who was who did the film? I'm going to... Uh, uh, Barry Sonnenfeld. Yeah. yeah. You've already got someone who's got a very, like, musical theater-like-minded brain. Sure. So it's not like, I mean, obviously I would love other collaborators. I would love Shayna Taub. I would love like all like, maybe do like a SpongeBob type thing and bring in different writers to kind of play around with it. It is a very eclectic group of characters. It would make sense. It is. It is. And it just lends itself to, to heightened storytelling. So like, just don't, don't, uh, it ain't bro. What is it? What's I don't know. Sorry, bro, I don't, don't know, Catherine. What is it? Shut up. <laughs> yes, my edible is hitting me. Grand, <laughs> what is it? Thank you. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't fix it. That is so. Like, um, you know, kudos to that musical. Kudos for the reference of hiring Nathan Lane to play Gomez because he was in the original film as a cop. Sure. But. Yeah. Like you fucked it up. You fucked it I, up. I, I'll and... say. So I'll say. First off, great answer. Very good answer. Wait a. <laughs> Sorry, that was my lecture. No, that is like, it was good. That is just Wait, that's a passion so I'll say, project. As well, it should be. That's uh, yeah. So here's a few things. One, uh, never seen Adam's Family Values. I know I'm the worst. I'm gonna watch it soon. I ben, I'm gonna you. watch it with you. Okay. Watch it Thanksgiving. It's a fun. Th- it's a Thanksgiving <gasps> movie. Am I gonna wait till Thanksgiving? Oh, yep. we'll do. We'll now do you it do. Twice. Okay, great. Um, Fall only. <laughs> it's blockbuster season, baby. That's true. That's true. Um, either way, you. This is maybe the only time we'll ever be able to talk about the Adams Family musical. I mean, it'll cut. We'll, we're talking about Andrew Lippo whenever we get to fucking uh, Big Fish, mm-hmm. and. Uh, is there another movie musical? I, no, I guess it's Big Fish. No, I think you're thinking of, maybe you're thinking about Lacusa because you know those too. Uh, but yes, either way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, I, yeah, I don't want to get too much into Andrew Lipper because we're going to go deep on him when we talk about Big Fish. Um, mm-hmm. But I will say, similar to that show, um, dude, like the, the songs in that Adam's Family musical are just garbage. They sound like uh, they sound like Andrew Lippo wrote a, a musical about the circus, and these are a bunch of the songs that didn't make it into the final cut of that show. So he's like, well, maybe I can use these for an Adam's Family musical. They don't fit any. They're kind of like a circus. Yeah, they're kind of like a circus. <laughs> like, and also, like, the musical's basic premise is just, what if the Adams Family reenacted the play You Can't Take It With You? Um, that, like, yeah. that's literally what that musical is. Um, I know people have a soft spot for it. I know it's probably very fun to perform form but it's just mm-hmm. like i feel like just like that show it's just like it is a musical that like was pre-written and they're like 
what if the Adams Family did this musical instead? Like, it doesn't seem like it's a show <laughs> written for the Adams Family. It seems like it's, it's a musical that has the Adams Family in it. It's already so tricky, too, because you've obviously got the original cartoon written. I was about to and say, like, yeah. And then, and then you've got the TV show mm-hmm. from the 50s, 60s. Then you've got, you've got the two like actual films are live action but then you also yeah yeah. but then you also have some like direct to vhs films where tim curry plays but then there was another Um, yeah but then there was another animated show there was another animated recently no animated show and a live action show that abc family did like this is like like yeah it was not good but i love (laughs) and a cg animated yes that was one that came out with oscar isaac and charlie steron which sucks because that movie apparently is garbage but that is such perfect casting for Gomez and Morticia. And we're about to get a TV show focused on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. Direct Netflix from Tim Burton. And luckily, luckily he's only producing it. Like he's not I don't I don't know. Obviously I think he's gonna direct the pilot. I think he's sure. gonna direct the pilot. kind of showrunner. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, if nothing else, yeah, executive producer kind of thing. But it's like but do, it's f- fucking like Cruella bullshit. It's like mm-hmm. I don't care about Wednesday. I I actually do. Well, okay, but fine. I, <laughs> I was also, thinking, is it gonna be her gritty backstory? Because what no, when she, she's like she's, six? It's she's, it's she's a teenager, she's like, so she's but she's like a detective oh, okay. or something. She's like solving. Oh, what? Is that what it is? It's something that has nothing to do with like what we know about. They should Wednesday. just get her job in the morgue and like that. Like it's like a CSI, but it's Wednesday Adams working in the morgue. I would watch that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just. Sure. Really... I'm not gonna watch it no matter what it is. So yeah. it like, wait, Catherine, did you see Cruella? I forget. No, oh. but I do know that there's a character with my name yes, in it because you and Danielle a, are very excited about there's it. There's a character in Cruella whose name is Catherine Miller. Um, it's nice. a, a very. A, I'm just gonna say. I'm gonna does say she it. get killed by Dalmatians. She does. She does. Catherine Miller in the film does get killed by Dalmatians. Oh no! <laughs> oh, no. Um, I wish I was joking. I'm just gonna say this because I don't give a shit. There have been people who people love Cruella. People love the movie Cruella, and I'm thrilled for them. I'm thrilled that they uh, like that movie. And all I would say is, watch another movie. <laughs> just watch another movie. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm not gonna pay for it. I'm gonna wait yeah. till it comes out. On it Disney is such. Plus. I want. It's not even bad enough to say it's a bad movie. It's just weird. It is a weird thing. Mm-hmm. It is just so. It's. I don't know. It is. I. I, I could. I, think I it's could go on. To Adam's family, where you take an entity and you like. You what have the original animated film? Sure. You have. I'm pretty sure that they've had like some short cartoons that have popped up here and there. Sure. And then you've mm-hmm. got. And then you've got the two films with Glenn Close. And she's an executive you, producer on oh, Cruella. Sweetheart. Well, she wants that money and she wants that Oscar. So she's trying everything. Yeah, she didn't get it last year for playing Meemaw. Uh, <laughs> but then you also you also have a musical. You also have 101 Dalmatians musical, you which do. I completely forgot about. I forget if we have to do that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> did you know, Brand? will be next season, huh? Brand, did you know that there's a 101 Dalmatians musical and sort of the central premise at least of the initial production was that all of the dalmatians are played just like people just like in dog costumes but all the humans are on stilts because they have to be taller than the dogs so it's just a bunch of people on stilts 
It was around the same time as Little Mermaid, so they thought, you know, we did Papa Wheelies for the swimming sea creatures. Let's just do stilts for 101 Dalmatians. What if they would have done big puppet legs? Like like the, <laughs> oh. like what, what's her name? Nanny on Muppet Baby? You know, you just see like socks and shoes. Sure. And so it's just people as dogs and then big shoes walking around as the voices. Oh, man, Muppet Babies is great. Muppet Babies is good. <laughs> that should be a musical. Catherine got me a really lovely gift. They got me a, a gloss with a bunch of little baby Fozzie bears on it. It's, it's the cutest fucking thing in the world. <laughs> Catherine, what movie did you pick the first time? I picked, um, I said Casto Dance or We're Back. Sure. Both. Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, but this, I mean, this is a passion project for me. Like, sure. I mean, I literally have a, I have a Morticia, you can't, I have a Morticia Adams tattoo on my arm. Like, it's, it's I was so in the first grade for Halloween. It is a part of my, like, being. Right. And I just want to see it done right. And I want to see young people. It, it is, it is, it is great that the Adams Family musical, yeah, I guess it's, it's based on just, like, the property. I guess it's, it's, like, not mm-hmm. really based on. So, yeah, sure. you could technically just make, you could just make, like, fucking, you know, there's, like, 12 sequels to Annie or whatever. There's like Annie 2 and Annie Warbucks. Like you could just do an Adam's Family Values musical. Like I'm uh, I'm yeah. surprised they haven't tried to like I know that it didn't do it only did okay on Broadway, but that thing's been touring well. That thing's got mm-hmm. regional productions out the wazoo. The youth theaters love them, yeah. but I also want like like I, I'll I'll say this and then won't say anything else. The the Adams family, <laughs> Gomez and Morticia are like like the straight couple queer people love sure. because of how sex positive they are because of how I don't know they just give off queer poly cute vibes I see that and see that's why I like I want that aspect like the fact that Morticia in the very end of that film is like literally being stretched apart by her arms and every time it gets every time it gets cranked every time Jebby Lulinski cranks the like the tightener she goes more and like that like that's not in that musical at all. Yeah. They're like wholesome family who just are goths. Yeah. And it's just, I'm just, that's not them. That's not them. It's not them. And they're like, I feel like their family is like, they are radically accepting of others that are different than them. Yes. Yeah. Oh, entirely. Like it's just, they're a lovely family. They're a lovely bunch of weirdos. And we gotta, we have to stand. We have to stand the Adam. We need to learn their values. Mm. Hey, I'd I'd smoke a I'd smoke a joint with them. I'll tell you that. Oh, uh, I guarantee you, they're I they definitely they have are like absolutely a... weed abolitionists. I will. Oh, yeah. I am. I bet their greenhouse has weed. I'm pretty sure their greenhouse has weed Hell, yeah. along with their like snapping dragons and shit. Mm-hmm. That hey man. Uncle Festa, I think he's high all the time. <laughs> he has a dab rig, though, for sure. He's like <laughs> blowing flat, fat clouds. Uh, and Lurch. Lurch, too. Oh, yeah. Lurch. Lurch is that. Yeah. Lurch is just like so under it. Like, my gosh. Indica fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Catherine, thank you so much for being here. It means the world. Um, this is coming out uh, around like early July. Anything to plug? 
Um, I am working on, funny enough, a musical that is based on a movie. Yeah. Um, you are. And I believe y'all are going to do being a, you're going to be doing a podcast episode about it, but I'm working on Kinky Boots at the Paramount. I'm their dramaturg and gender consultant. And we're going to, we're going to, you know, kick some high kicks and some hot shoes and be really queer in Aurora. And it's going to be great. So we open, um, August 8th. No, August 29th. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe a, maybe a future episode. Maybe we take a trip out to Paramount and we see that show. Who knows? Um, yeah. Uh, I'll say that. It's a great Metro ride. It's, uh, I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, Catherine, you're the best. We'll follow them on the social medias, follow what they're up to. Um, <laughs> a good human being. I'm a fan. I want to thank, as always, Brad Moorhead uh, for producing and editing this show. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening. I want to thank Emily Harrington for our artwork and Modaf and Josh Stanley for our kick-ass theme song. If you like the show, rate us, review us, subscribe wherever you get your episodes, wherever you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts. It's following now. You don't subscribe to shows. You follow them. Who gives a shit? But you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Movie the Musical. And as we've hinted at various times throughout the episode, we would love it if you could s- subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Movie the Musical. You get to support what we do and you get some bonus content. It's really fun. Uh, you've just heard us talk about In the Heights. Um, and we're going to try and cover the other myriad of uh, stage to film adaptations that are coming this year. Um, it's a wild time, um, and we're also just covering, uh, just other musical movies. Um, that's all we got for now. Keep on saying, keep on smoking, brother. Keep on smoking.